and you look at it in terms of, I'm going to give you my best argument. And if you come up with a better argument than I do, then I'm going to be open to that argument to adapt my argument and advance my argument. And it becomes, you become encouraged to actually challenge your ideas against other people's ideas. And philosophy is not just about looking up the stars and thinking about what might be out there. It's about minds challenging each other to come up with better ideas through their philosophies. And, and this is where great philosophy evolves. It evolves through many minds challenging greater and greater ideas to an evolution of better understanding mm-hmm. while having the flexibility at the same time to be like, we could be wrong. We could be missing something. This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby Cook and Evan Schulte. Identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Way of the Artist podcast. And uh, we're stepping into one today, Brandon. We're stepping into a conversation. We are stepping into the gray area, which is, uh, you know, perhaps a gray area conversation. But we're talking specifically about this whole idea of the gray area, stepping into the gray area. Why do we want to step into the gray area Uh, Another word that we kicked around for this one that uh, has something to do with this is nuance. You know, the importance of of nuance and why that is a pretty important idea um, for the world that we live in, in terms of being able to create things and, and being able to think about things and and understand things. Nuance is extraordinarily important. So. Uh, I'm excited to get into this one, Brandon. You got anything to say off the top? Well, I'm seeing the importance of art more and more as we have these conversations because it, it reminds me that we do all have a artistic part of, part of ourselves. We might not always identify as artists or we might not always think of ourselves as that creative, but if we get too black and white in the world, if we get too simplistic this or that, right or wrong, black or white, whatever, it becomes a limited ability to essentially uh, prop, like have a have a process. You have a limited process, so you you aren't able to actually do much in what you're capable of doing. You have a limited perception because you can't see the nuances in things. You can't see the little details in things, and I think that's why this conversation is so important because there are these little details and they matter. And if you want to be excellent at anything, whether it be an artist or anything you do, nuance is kind of that, that's what the master has, right? That the amateur does it. And the, the other part of it is just your ability to actually do anything in the world is limited if you really only have like a couple options in everything. And nuance gives you, it turns two options, like black or white, into a hundred options or a thousand options. Maybe it's just 10 options, but it gives you options. And options are absolutely essential and totally important in being able to work through this world and figure out where you can make compromises and where you need to hold your ground 
and you know how much and just to give an example of that because i know i'm kind of talking in like these bigger ideas if you're painting a picture and there's a little bit of blue and a little bit of green what's the nuance between the blue and the green you know is it all green and all blue and it's just a hard cut between the two or is there a blend is there and and what is that blend and and how sharp is that blend and how quickly does it transition from one to the other and you know when you when you fade one into the next do we really notice where one becomes the other and i think this gray area is a lot about not just defining like this is where blue becomes green but where you see the blue and the green in the same thing and you can kind of find that fine touch to to what you're looking at how you're understanding something what you're doing all of that so that's my initial take our, our conversation leading into this was really cool and i'm excited to see where this goes mm-hmm. yeah and, and just something about what you just said made me th- what struck me was also how important nuance and being able to step into the gray area and navigate the gray area is actually plays an important role in being a compassionate human being. But, you know, let's, uh, before we get too much into that, let's, let's bring in some like sort of examples, I think in terms of, uh, this idea that we're presenting in terms of like the artistic sense. So there's like a couple of ways in which I'm thinking about this out of the gate. So one thing was something that you had mentioned uh, earlier, Brandon, which was our filmmaking, like in, in terms of filmmaking and how that has changed over time. Uh, there's been this really big shift that has happened. I mean, it's still kind of like, like that gradient you're saying it was a gradual shift, but we used to have very sort of almost vaudevillian good versus evil types of stories. And it's not that, you know, there's that there's not some sense of good and evil that we can actually identify, but that how that plays out is, is nuanced, right? Like, we don't have villains who are just sort of these abstract bad people. They're just pieces of shit. Like we, (laughs) like they're still pieces of shit very often, but we've begun to develop this thing of like, okay, but why are they pieces of shit? Right? Like we started to ask this question, like, like what brought them to this place of being a really bad person? Right. And, and try to understand that and try and give, that character really actually compelling uh, reasons for what they're doing. And in fact, they might actually even be right. There might be a part of them and, and how they see things that we actually really identify with, but we just don't identify with how they're going about it. Mm. And one, I'll, I'll say one particular film that I'm thinking about, which um, uh was I think it, this works as a pretty good example because it was a big movie. It was a comic book movie. So like they often comic book movies work very much in those more dramatic types of divisions. Right. But um, Black Panther, I thought one of like the most interesting thing that they did in that movie was in that nuanced thing where the bad guy in the movie was actually right. 
Like what he was there for was actually you come to the end of it and being like, oh shit, like he was, he, he was correct. And at the end, the hero acknowledges that they're being like, oh shit, we have turned our back on the world. We have isolated ourselves and it's been, and it, and we could be helping others and we're not doing that right now. This person had a bad idea about how he was going to do this, but he was right in principle about what, you know, that we need to step out and and do this thing. So that was an interesting thing to have for like a Marvel character, right? Like where there's like, oh yeah, like you're actually right. Like in, and, and that we have actually been wrong. And we have allowed something to happen that we that we shouldn't have allowed to ha- to to happen. So that's just one example. I'm sure Brandon, you could point to some other ones, but that's one example of how we we navigate that and 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 bring this into the story because that's an important thing. Like this person wasn't just doing it because because they were a dick or some power hungry um, you know psychopath, but because they had there there was even good intentions uh at the heart of this person and there was pain at the heart of this person so um and you know black panther was you know critically received as one of like the the best marvel movies that's ever been made right so um and and for very much for those like that was one of the big reasons for it which is like oh wow that's fascinating in how this has been handled Mm, that's a really good example and i haven't seen that movie so i'm going to watch that and and kind of look for that i there are many many examples and i i would i would i would argue that a lot of the better movies that have come out and a lot of what's kind of happening with at least storytelling in movies and novels although i would say novels did it before movies and movies are beginning to adopt Mm -hmm. that now um they're beginning to pick up where novels actually led us maybe um, I'd say even 30 years ago, um, where movies have kind of begun to do it over maybe more of the last 15 or 20. Um, well, movies are also a much newer medium, you know, like yeah. books are a pretty mature medium. Yeah. And you <laughs> right? could argue that books have actually been navigating the gray area for, for far much longer than the last 30 years. But I would say just sure. in our, our modern contemporary culture, um, there has been quite a shift into the gray area in storytelling that didn't really exist when I was a little kid. I remember like the, the, a lot of the movies that were the big blockbuster, big hits, major movies, the things that everyone saw, it was very black and white, good guy, bad guy, very clear, very, um, very direct, very obvious. And you didn't really give an explanation a lot of the time as to why you know, like why the bad guy was the way they were. I mean, you might understand their motivation, but you didn't understand the deeper, like personal uh, understanding of why they did what they did and what, where they're coming from and why this makes sense to them. And, and you didn't necessarily, um, I would say even more so in the eighties um, with a lot of particularly action movies, you got much more of this kind of, they're bad because they're up to no good. You know, like they just, they, they just want the power, they want the money, they want the thing, and they don't care, and they just decidedly are bad people. And you didn't really ever investigate why that might be. But in modern cinema, I would argue that 
what's happening a little bit more is we're actually kind of understanding where are these people coming from and why are they doing what they're doing? And sometimes um, the story will actually flip. One of my favorite examples of this was uh, the television show Lost with the character Sawyer. And in the mm. first season of this show Lost, you really hate this guy. Like he's really a despicable uh, character in the mix. And you're like, man, if this guy just was like, if he just lay off, like life would be so much easier. But then in season two and then beyond, he becomes this hero and he actually becomes one of the characters with the most integrity and the most solid backbone of the story. And they do the bait and switch on you. But with that story, as they developed it and went further, they filled in backgrounds of these characters. And then you got to understand, oh, this is why they, this is why he does what he does. This is why he sees the world this way. This is why he deals with people in this way. And so in this first season, you kind of look at him as like this piece of shit, you know, this kind of terrible guy. But then actually, not only does he kind of turn and become this really like um, kind of cool hero of the story in season two, but later as you get into it, you begin to understand why he even did what he did in the first season and why that actually made sense coming from his perspective. And this is, um, you know, I mean, we're going to get into this more, I, I'm sure, as this conversation goes in. But this is the big thing. I think empathy has become an incredibly high currency in storytelling. And I'd probably argue in art in general. But you could also argue that all art is storytelling. So it's all one of the same anyway. But like, you know, I think that we want nuance. We, we want a richer experience of our characters. And we're, we're more open to having bad characters or bad guys and girls and whatever seem more human. We're, we're willing to look at that, at least in story. And, and I hope that as humanity advances beyond this point, we're, we're willing to look and have empathy in people, not just in the stories we see, but in the people around us as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of the things that I think is really important about gray area and, and what we're discussing, because um, I think it can be easy, easily mistaken for like, well, it's all relative. And it's like, well, no, hang on a second. Like it's like these characters very often, it's like what has shifted is not saying that what they're doing is okay, you know, but that, that, you know, this person is not necessarily a horrible person, you know, like there's, they, they're coming from, from somewhere. Right. And it, and understanding that is actually really important. You know, we recognize that there's something really important about understanding why and how, and all of those things about it. While at the same time saying, it's like, yeah, but that's, you can't continue to do what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like there's still, you know, th sometimes having those stances, like those strong stances on something is still, I think, a part of the nuance, you know, like the nuance comes in in certain places while at the same time saying like, well, you, you know, you're a Bond villain, <laughs> you yeah. know, you're fucking killing people <laughs> and you have to, and you have to be stopped. Right. But we get where you come from, yeah. right? And why you think that this is the right thing to do. And we don't agree. And so we're taking a stance there. But, you know, so that's, I think, one of the interesting things about this, where it's not saying that certain, that, oh, well, it's all just okay, right? None of it's okay, right? None of that's okay. None of what happened to you is okay. 
right? But what you're doing is also not okay. And, you know, the whole thing of like two rights don't, or sorry, two wrongs don't make a right kind of a thing, right? But um, yeah, I think that uh, one other example I thought of with this conversation, just in terms of like, you know, acting, acting background, and I've mentioned this a few times before on the show, but, you know, one of the, I was probably the same teacher who taught us this, Brandon, it's probably Nathaniel, at least that's where I remember first hearing this from, but he would say, you can't play a character that you've judged, right? You can't judge the character that you're playing. Uh, and I remember that was a really big challenge. He gave me a scene at one point where I kill a woman that I just had sex with. From that play Edmund, right? From Edmund. Yeah. From that, from the, from the mammoth script. Um, and that was such a hard scene to do. It was such a challenge for me to do because like, how do you not judge this person? How do you not judge, especially since the play itself, even you go through the whole play, like you can understand and you have to understand it, but like it doesn't ease necessarily easily point out like the per this person's life and, and why necessarily that they're doing what they're doing but nevertheless you have to f pick up on all of these little things to try and say like oh okay i understand why you're doing this and try it but it's it can be a real challenge but i think it's fascinating that it is it's one of those perennial pieces of acting wisdom that you can't judge the character that you're playing you have to f step into that gray area right you have to step into that space of 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 saying like, okay, I'm here to like really understand and even embody what has happened to you to bring you to this place, mm. right? Because there is, there's when you, there's, because the flip side of it is when you judge the character that you're playing, you, you do step into kind of tropes and there's something that's just, um, I don't know what it, it it does something to what you're doing to it does something to what you're doing. You can't really actually fully play the character. I think is probably the best way to to explain it. You're not able to fully play them because you just stick to a surface level. Right? Like nothing Yeah. Yeah, like nothing the the emotions don't come from anywhere. The their their behaviors, their actions don't come from anywhere. It's all just sort of like it's all just on the surface, you know what I mean? And, and that just doesn't work for me, for an effective, you know, or for a strong performance as an actor, which I think is, is interesting how that, how that works in that space, you know, of, of creation where that's like, it's sort of this built in thing where it's like, no, you have to step into the gray area. There's no, there's no, not, you can't, you can't live black and white to, to, be a good actor there's um no substance there is a term that you shared with me at one point you gave me feedback on a script and i found it was one of the most helpful observations of figuring out how to actually make a good character it was a real turning point for me because i remember you said these characters feel lived in and i remember like walking away because that was one of those comments you know you get a lot of notes you write a screenplay you share them with a bunch of people and people say oh this kind of works and you know blah 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 and some of it's superficial that you can't really use but it's just their 
feeling or their opinion. And then sometimes someone says something, whether they, they really understand what they're saying or not. And it kind of gives you something. It gives you like a, an in, inside look into something that you didn't really maybe consider. And when you said lived in, I walked away and I was like, yeah, you know, these characters are lived in because like, I, like in, whether I knew I was doing it or not, I mean, at the time I was trying to like live in their shoes and try to experience what their life was like. And I think that's really where all the gray area exists. It's like when you live with these people, you begin to kind of, you know, you, 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 you feel a little bit of why they do what they do. And, you know, I'll take this even further. After you said that comment, I started looking at like apartments and places and houses and, and buildings and offices that I would visit. And I would look for this quality of lived in. I actually started looking for it because I'm like, this seems like a really great thing to bring into art. So I should begin to try to see what is this lived in? What makes something lived in? And I started noticing fingerprints on, on uh, light switches and the dirt around the corners of cupboards that, you know, you almost don't even notice, but people always open it from that one spot. So they get grease and dirt on the corner of their cupboard. Um, you know, these, these, these little things, the corners that don't get cleaned behind things. And it shows you like, there's been a buildup here. You know what I mean? Um, with all your art, when you begin to understand how people kind of exist, you start to understand, okay, well, this is where they're coming from. This is what's normal for them. Now, like a character that comes from a ghetto, for example, where, uh, friends as they've grown up have died and people in their neighborhood have been shot or stabbed or have gotten in a brutally violent fight and that type of thing. They come from a different world than someone who came up in the suburbs of some like high class, very wealthy debutante type of uh, area where, you know, the worst thing that ever happened to them was someone called them a mean name. But it doesn't mean that one is better than the other. It's just that they have a different sensitivity. They have a different understanding of what's acceptable and what's appropriate and what, you know, what you can kind of do or get away with or how you survive, because that might be an element. And I think that as artists, you know, if, if you're listening to this conversation and you are an artist looking to advance your art, you want to begin to find that gray area. You want to find that quality that, you know, most people don't see like now to go back to my reference point. Most people see, Oh, that's a kid in a ghetto grew up with a pretty hard life. Doesn't have a lot of money. Those are all black and white statements. Gray area is like, um, putting ketchup on a piece of wonder bread because there was nothing in the house to eat that day. That's lived in. That's the gray area. That's the thing you don't see. So when this character goes and steals a sandwich from the neighborhood shop, you understand what they were dealing with. Whereas the kid that came from the suburbs from this debutante type of like wealthy family, and they didn't like the steak that was put on their plate that, that day. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. a much different lived in experience. So, you know, could you argue that the theft by the wealthy person is actually worse than the theft by the more poverty stricken person? I mean, that's a whole other moral quandary, quandary that we might not be able to to navigate for sure, but these things matter in your art. They, they, they're relevant. And I think that's kind of a big part of what we're trying to bring up here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, 
Because, yeah, this is not to, to necessarily engage in a conversation of like, well, which one is better yeah. or which one is worse? Because these are, you know, we are touching on extraordinarily complex subjects, right? Which, you know, people have been debating for eons and eons and eons. We're taking on more so the the, the conversation of just, you know, the nuance itself, the conversation itself, the which in many ways is the acknowledgement that it's like, yeah, it's complex. These are complex problems. These are complex situations. These are complex people. There are so many things that are interacting and intersecting with each other, you know, um, you know, forces, you know, social economic forces, psychological forces, you know, like they're like, and, and, those are the only two that are coming to my mind, even though I know there's like a million things, uh, that, that historical forces there's, <laughs> you know, like it's just, there's so much stuff that, that comes into play, um, to, that makes so many of these issues so complex, which is part of the rationale in some ways behind why we need to embrace the gray area because it's just like, look like these, there's so many things going on, to create these situations that for these people to be acting the way in which in which they do or whatever it is that you can't to to just say oh well it's just because of this to reduce a person or a situation down to it's just blah 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 that's um I think that's like an another old Alan Watts thing. It's just like you are you you know when you're talking to a reductionist when they say, "Oh, it's only or it's just this." You know, it's just a bunch of stupid matter or something, you know, it's like it's like is it? Um, you know, and and that reductionist kind of of attitude um is flies in the face of of nuance and it's an incredibly ignorant thing to do, right? Like it's, it's, you know, it's nice to be able to, like, I understand the desire to make something into, to, to try and just reduce something down into, well, it's just because of this, right? It's easier to grasp. It's easier to grab onto. Um, it, can give us a sense that we we understand something or you know it, it gives us a sense of security at least in the short term but the problem is is that it's too blunt an object you know in order to really fully penetrate into what the actual problems are or what the actual situation is so it's we have to embrace nuance um, just because it's, it's the wise thing to do, right? If we're actually truly, if we're actually honest about trying to really understand complex things, then we have to, we have to accept complexity and nuance and all of that stuff. Yeah. Wow. You know, this is one of those conversations. It, it's, it's on the precipice of some really big things that you know it's it's just a whole minefield to try to even discuss what they are it's like we're, we're on the the precipice of uh you know ethical philosophy and like what's ethical and what isn't and all of that like what's moral what isn't 
Um, and I think that without going into those minefields and trying to figure out, you know, those answers, that's not really the point. I think the point is for us to just see that there is more going on than what's always obvious. And as artists, it's in our best interest to look deeper, like look in and try to understand the why and try to um, consider both or all parties that are involved in a situation. You know, I'm very, um, I'm very sensitive to media these days because to me, media still functions from that 80s model of storytelling where it's like, these are the bad guys and these are the good guys and these are who we're against. And I'm just sitting there going, why? Like, why are they doing what they're doing? I want to know. I want to understand. Like, what's the reason? And like, you know, and, and there's this very like, well, the good guys are doing it for this reason. And they have all these great reasons for the good guy and all these admirable, moral, ethical reasons. But then when it comes to the bad guy, they have nothing. Like nothing backs it up. It's just like, oh no, they're just, they just want this. They're selfish. They're da 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 da. And it's like all these judgment qualities. And it's like, well, hold on. Maybe it's not that they're just selfish or power hungry or whatever. Maybe they have legitimate concerns and legitimate reasons, and maybe they're doing something for a specific reason or whatever. And I think that people get caught up in the media with these very basic, almost elementary cartoon level uh, narratives, which are like good, bad, evil, good, you know, like this is so basic and like so half-baked and not thought out. And I would stand to argue that in most cases, you would find that both people, both parties, all parties usually have pretty good reasons behind why they're doing, if you could just understand where they were coming from. And, you know, maybe it's the the business part of me, because business forces you to have to do this. If you want to succeed at business in any form or sales in any form, you need to understand what other people want. Otherwise you're sleazy. Otherwise it's all about what you want and it's all about a manipulation. So a large part of sales and business is just going like, well, what do you want? What are you looking for? What do you need? And trying to understand that and seeing if you can deliver that or help them get that in some other way. And when you're of service, finding out what other people want becomes how you serve. And I think if we looked at not only our art, but we looked at each other and we looked at life in that respect where there's nuance and like, let me give you an example of, and I teach people how to raise money to make a movie and people go like, well, how am I ever going to raise money? Like I'm making this short film. No one's ever going to make money from it. And it's like, well, that's assuming that everybody produces or helps out to make a film because they're trying to make money from that film. Like probably you could say maybe 33%, maybe 50%, but maybe there's a large part of people that actually do just invest in film to make money from film. But there's this whole other percentage of people that just want to walk down the red carpet. They want to have their name on the credits. They want to be on set and have the experience. They want to help a young artist because they believe in them. There's all sorts of reasons why people would invest in a film other than just trying to make money and have some investment return. And so it's such a limited perspective if you're like, everybody invests in film because they want to make money. That's black and white thinking. But when you see the nuance, when you see the gray area, all of a sudden you have options and it becomes more possible. And that's kind of my point here. It's like, we're not always 
seeing the whole picture. We're seeing very limited perspectives and it's kind of like being colorblind. It's like, you're not even picking up something that's there because you're not allowing yourself to, but you could be capable of it. Mm. You know, it's interesting. Like this is making me think of, I just started a, you know, a, a class, a, a, you know, a, a beginner's class for Meisner work yesterday with a new group. And one of the things that I say, you start off with pretty early on, um, you know, we do some like exercises and some games that kind of help to illustrate this point. But I always tell, tell all the actors that I work with that most actors are involved with what they think should be happening as opposed to what is actually happening. Their ideas of what is happening. And that's the, the, the problem is that, and you know, this getting maybe a little bit into the weeds, a little bit philosophical, but, um, you know, ideas are all an abstraction, right? They're no matter how complex the idea, they're all an abstraction to some level and they actually um in in some way pre present a barrier to actually being connected to what is actually happening and the only way to be connected to what is actually happening is just through pure attention mm. is just through pure attention and listening right of the deepest kind of listening that you can do that you can that you can muster that kind of extends beyond just what you hear um but regardless, like the, this, the direction this conversation has taken is, is making me think of that in terms of, yeah, like we're so often more engaged with our ideas of things. Oh, this is my idea of what I think is going on, right? And we, you know, we kind of get these ideas and then we, once we feel pretty good about it, we start putting up, you know, fences and walls and we put we put snipers up on the towers around it and <laughs> all of this stuff it's just like this is my idea it's not going anywhere you know and uh and that's that right and that's like an interesting way i think in which um you know we we all get kind of caught in this because i'm recognizing that as much as i probably like to think that i'm a person who you know, I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I, I always think that things are more complex. There's always two sides to the story and stuff like that. You know, there's all kinds of ways in which I am totally oversimplifying certain things where I have, you know, have some idea of what something is that's far too, um, that is not taking into account enough things, right? And that's okay, you know what I mean? But that's why it remains so important that we, I think that we don't put up all of those walls and towers and things like that around these ideas that we have, you know, um, so that we stay open so that we can actually learn from others. We can take in some more of those complexities and perspectives and, and instead of trying to just uphold our ideas about things we're able to actually just be engaged um in a way that that i know i don't know might perhaps be more impactful that might actually make 
somewhat of a positive difference in in a lot of these um, these spaces where where things are so challenging at times. I don't know. Um, you know, I guess this is going into that idea of like your attachment. You know, like attachment to our own ideas about things. But it's a it's a I'm realizing how uh, how subtle uh, this thing can be. Hey everybody, this is Evan, and this episode is brought to you by my book. Yes, I recently released a book called The Actor's Awakening, Connecting Spirituality to Craft. Expand yourself as an actor and your craft through a spiritual perspective. Take a journey that will explore universal philosophies and insights to help you understand human nature in a profound way, and develop practices to take your work to another level. Again, that's The Actor's Awakening, Connecting Spirituality to Craft, available on Kindle and paperback on Amazon. And as always, if you like the show, please subscribe. When I was in college, I wasn't able to get the classes that I wanted right away. I had to kind of just jump into what was kind of available to some degree. But like, I don't know, like because I didn't have a specific thing that I could just kind of pick and choose. Cause like when you kind of enroll, at least in the college that I was in, everybody's trying to get these specific classes. And so like the demand is really high. And so what I would do was I'm like, shit, I can't get into any of the classes that I want. And, and they were saying like, look, you can go to the class, you can sit there and you can audit it. And you can ask the teacher after you're done sitting in the class, if they'll let you in the class. And so I said, fine. Like I'm not taking these bullshit classes that like I'm stuck with, I'm going to go to the classes that I want. And so I went and I just, but, but when I went to college too, like I didn't go to college for maybe the same reason that everyone else goes to college. Like I went to college because I wanted a college experience and I actually wanted to learn. I wasn't trying to like get a degree or do any of that. Like I just, I was like, Hey, I'm going to go to college. I'm, I wanted to learn film but like, I couldn't study film right away because that just, I couldn't get into the film production. There was kind of a process you had to go through regardless. I saw these philosophy classes. So I started going to these philosophy classes and people would say, well, you know, you can't make any money from philosophy, like blah, blah. And everyone was there to like get a job or something, get a career, but I was there to learn. And when I went to these philosophy classes, I went in with this open mind because I was interested. And what I learned through philosophy was that philosophy, if taught well, actually opens your mind and it actually creates more questions than you even started with. And that can be frustrating at first because you're like, I came here to get answers and all I'm getting is more questions, but your questions get better. They get deeper. And what you ultimately end up finding out through philosophy, if you, if you are very genuine in your study of it, is you find out how little you know. And that humbling experience of realizing that you know so little and that there's so much to learn actually makes your opinions much more flexible because you're like, how could I have an opinion for sure on this if there's so little I know? And um, I think that most people these days don't study philosophy because we have a uh, the indoctrination of get a job, get a career and make money and do these programmed systematic things. And if we went more genuinely into our education with the willingness to learn and open our minds, to learn about people, to learn about things, to learn about 
everything to just challenge our ideas. And, and one other thing about philosophy is when, when you do philosophy, if you're studying with good teachers, now there's probably some terrible teachers out there, but like, if you're studying with good teachers, you have to make an argument for why you think something works a certain way or why you think it is a certain way. And you have to back it up and you have to figure out how to actually present this idea. And it's not so written in stone. You're actually working from other great minds and you're trying to pull in things. And sometimes you're even using life experiences to like um, color what you're trying to demonstrate. And you have to be aware that it's just your experience as you're referencing it into the idea that you're presenting. Otherwise you end up basically your argument breaks down because you're basically too tunnel vision, you know, this type of stuff, but people don't do this. And this is kind of the frustrating thing I find is that people get in these ideas where it's like, well, I know how it works and this is it. And I'm right. And it's like, you don't like, I can tell you one thing you don't know because there's so little that we all know. And mm -hmm. you actually look like an ignorant person when you start making these statements and these things about what you say, you know, and, and how things are, um, a wise person uses what they have as the best possible argument you have. And you look at it in terms of, I'm going to give you my best argument. And if you come up with a better argument than I do, then I'm going to be open to that argument to adapt my argument and advance my argument. And it becomes you become encouraged to actually challenge your ideas against other people's ideas. And philosophy is not just about looking up the stars and thinking about what might be out there. It's about minds challenging each other to come up with better ideas through their philosophies. And, and this is where great philosophy evolves. It evolves through many minds challenging greater and greater ideas to an evolution of better understanding. Mm -hmm. while having the flexibility at the same time to be like, we could be wrong. We could be missing something. And I think like the nuance that we're talking about is it's a lot of the philosophy. It's, it's this, it's this, this untapped, untouched magical area. And if you just opened up to it, you could, you could not only find incredible art from yourself, but you could find that there's great thinking and great, potential inside of you and others that you're just not seeing yeah it's um yeah you bring up a lot of really terrific stuff i think that um you know you said something about like this sort of attitude of like i might be missing something and i would take that even a step further which is to assume an attitude of like i'm probably missing something <laughs> i am most likely missing something that doesn't mean that you uh, don't have good, important, relevant ideas, thoughts, things to share around, you know, whatever subject or thing, thing it is that you're addressing, but that there's so many things and you have a possibility to learn more about it, to, to, you know, continue to grow and learn and adapt. And yeah, I, I love that you brought in just the, the topic of philosophy itself, which is, you know, it is interesting because philosophy is still taught and yeah, it's, it's a, doesn't necessarily show any direct <laughs> career paths other than to basically be a professor or maybe a writer. Right. Um, but 
it doesn't necessarily like, all right, you've got your, you know, your degree in philosophy. Now you can go and get a job and, you know, yeah. go and get a job at Amazon. Um, <laughs> but it's, I think that an education in philosophy serves everything that you do wherever you, you go. And yeah, it's like, I've for years and years, and you know this about me, Brandon, I've said for years that like, I think that philosophy should be a part of public education. I agree. Like, I think in, I think in high school, they should at least have to do like two terms of philosophy, you know, like I, I just think that that would be such a good thing that we could, we would do for our societies. If everyone got a, a little bit of an education just to have that little piece of like, whoa, what do I know? Do I know anything? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and but learn how to ask questions and how to observe and and to embrace that kind of unknowing and 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 take on a kind of curiosity um, instead with how you go about your life and how you're living. There's such a philosophy demands a certain kind of intelligence to come from us a certain to teaches us to to think you know in in more intelligent ways which is like come on like maybe there's no direct career from philosophy necessarily but it's just so important for anything that you're going to do and actually we're all engaged in philosophy to some kind of a of a degree we just don't necessarily think of it always in terms of philosophy but yeah i mean um, we have a philosophy but sometimes our philosophy was one that was handed down to us and we never questioned it and like we all kind of have a philosophy it's just that not all of us have critically thought out what that is mm -hmm. and we're we're functioning we're functioning on a on a system that assumes it makes a lot of assumptions and i think one of the things about philosophy and i don't mean to cut you off but like I would argue that actually philosophy is actually one of the best things for a career path. Because if you think about it, this is the thing I was talking with my class about this the other day. Cause like I teach artists how to make their careers like entrepreneurial, how to take charge of it and stuff like that. I teach them some tricks on how to look at things differently. I would attribute that to, to, to philosophy because what philosophy taught me was how to think. And it taught me how to think about things. And I think here's the big thing. We live, at least if you're in North America currently, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen, but like currently we live in a society where you can start a business. And why are we most of us, why is most people taught that they should trade their time for money? It's the worst exchange you could ever make in existence. Think about it this way. Time is the one resource that runs out and you can never get back. You can always get more money. You can always get more of everything except time. Time is a finite amount. And you know you have roughly about this much time. And every hour you give up to exchange for what? A certain dollar amount? That time you're selling off the most valuable resource, the most valuable thing you have in your life. But most of us, are taught in a system to trade our time for our money, which is the worst exchange that you could ever agree to. And if you looked at it in terms of, could I, could I exchange value? Now you could exchange value and you could make literally thousands, tens of thousands, maybe just hundreds, but you could make 
you know, even hundreds of thousands in some cases for changing, ex exchanging value. And that value could be exchanged in a matter of moments. And all of a sudden, you know, you've made in a moment what it took someone a year or a lifetime to make. So the fact that we are in a program that taught us to basically our philosophy is I work, I trade my time to make money is, is a philosophy of life. That's how you do life. And that's your philosophy. And, and I am challenging everybody out there saying like, is this really the best philosophy? And are you okay with this philosophy? And if you're not, then it's time to learn some, some thinking. It's time to learn some philosophy. It's time to challenge these ideas that you're taking for granted and functioning with as though they're okay and normal. When you live in a society that will literally reward you for the, for, for the value you could provide instead of the time. Now, if you lived in some third world country or some place where they don't have that opportunity, fine, change your time to try and figure out how to get out of that or sort that out. But you live in a society, if you're in Western culture, at least right now in North America, where you could get paid for your value. And the fact that you don't do that is a very concerning. And if it's not concerning to you, then I don't know what will wake you up. And so your philosophy needs to be challenged because your philosophy of how life works and how you, even who you are in this life, if you don't challenge this thing, you are doomed to exist in that pattern, right? And philosophy, in my opinion, it gives you options. Look, I've worked a job before, and I'll just say one last thing about this, Evan. I've worked jobs before where I changed my time for money. And like, I don't look down on anybody who does that because I think that it's wonderful we have jobs and we have a way of doing that. But if that's your only option and you're frustrated with life and you just don't know why, and you can't have anything you really want and you're feeling depressed and you're popping a pill to deal with that depression and you're having a drink and you're just trying to escape to the weekend, like this is the philosophy you're working with time to go, man. It's time to challenge that whole idea. And it's not about getting like uh, some weight machine, some weight loss machine online or some bullshit TV or something to make you feel better about it. Change your whole fucking philosophy. You know what I mean? And like, these are, these are the kind of messages that, that I want to scream from the hilltops because when I see people stuck in a rut like this, I'm like, you don't need to suffer like this. It, it's just all it takes is you looking outside of the program that you've been essentially presented with and you haven't had the chance to consider that you might be able to be in an entirely different way of life if you just challenge the ideas that you had as though they were maybe not the best. That's a good soapbox, my friend. They happen every now and then, maybe a little more <laughs> than now and then. <laughs> yeah. But you know, man, I mean, like, like, okay. One last thing. We should not resist thinking differently than the way we've been thinking. We should be at least open to the idea that there's a, there's at least a chance that the way we see the world and the way we see ourselves and the way we see our life and our potential and our future and everything else, that there's a, there's some room, there's some wiggle room. Mm -hmm. It's not just black or white. It's not this or that it's not good enough or not good enough. It's maybe you're almost good enough. 
you know, like, like find some room, you know, and then if you're almost good enough, what's it going to take to be like good enough? What's it going to take to be great? What's it going to take to, you know, and, and you start to look at it in terms of you're not doomed to be stuck as what your life is in this moment. And maybe the only reason why it is this way in this moment is because you have an inability to see it any differently than you see it right now, because your entire programming was black or white. You know, I, 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 I've dealt with clients who are like, I grew up poor and I can't see myself making money, you know? And, and I, I really try to help them challenge those ideas. It's like, okay, so you know what it's like to not have money. You, you understand what that's like. Now, are you stuck seeing the world like that forever? Can you imagine what it would be like to have money? Can you imagine other ways to make money? You know, like you got to push yourself out of the comfort of your black and white ideas because they, they literally limit you in all your options and potential. Yep. <laughs> yep. There is, I want to just read this out to everybody. I had said this to you before and, and cause I think this is really terrific. And I think that there's actually a little bit of a play on this I'm realizing as well. Uh, but the quote is tyranny is the deliberate removal of nuance. And that was from a, award-winning documentarian, documentary filmmaker, Albert Mazels. And uh, it's interesting, because I, I, I came across that, that quote, I don't know, a while ago, maybe a couple of months ago or something like that, and was really struck by it. But I also think that in, in many ways it flows in the opposite direction, you know, I think that it's not always necessarily a deliberate thing, but I think that when we fail to, to allow nuance into our own thinking, it creates tyranny. Mm. You know what I mean? On some kind of level. And even with what you were saying, when just, we don't just, allow nuance, you mean? Yeah, when we yeah. don't allow nuance, like it, it tyranny arises in some kind of form, um, even within our own, our own selves. You know, like the the sort of picture that you were painting just, a, you know, a few moments ago, where it's like, well, look, your your thought, your 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 philosophy, your mindset on your life is causing tremendous suffering in how you're going about life in a way that's almost like being tyrannical to yourself you know what i mean and it's like okay maybe there's some room for some nuance maybe there's some room for something to come in here so you know i love the quote because i think that in many ways yes there is in terms of like if we're looking at it like a historical um, you know, like a historical political concept of tyranny. Uh, 
as, you know, like, well, this is like the people in power and they deliberately remove nuance and that is, you know, that's tyrannical, right? Um, but I think that, you know, like everything as we're discussing, there's nuance to this whole thing and there's like that, that works in some different ways as well. There's a, there's a kind of tyrannical uh, game that we can, we can almost play on ourselves is really the point I'm making, I guess. I think it's a good point because I think it's very black and white for some people where they go weekend, good work, bad. Can't wait for the weekend. When you work for yourself or you do what you love, you love your work. And sometimes on your, on your holidays or your breaks, you, you actually have trouble taking yourself away from your work because, you know, uh, you enjoy it. And, you know, there's, I don't know what the statistics are and I'm not even going to quote them right now, but I'm sure you can look up online and you'll be able to find some pretty compelling uh, numbers, but it's a very high percentage of people that don't like their jobs. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very high percentage. And not just in like third world countries of people that feel like they have to do, because actually those people tend to not really have an opinion as much uh, from what I understand. It's actually people more in, uh, in countries that are sovereign and free where they hate their jobs because they didn't imagine themselves being kind of in that world. And then they feel stuck and bound and they feel they have these responsibilities and they can't get out of them. And there's, you know, you can go on and on and on, but it's very high. And people, they, they spend 40 hours a week, roughly if you work a full-time job and you hate 40 hours of a week of your life. And you, and you, for some reason, have accepted this as okay. And then there's all sorts of arguments. Well, why, why don't you leave? Well, I don't leave because I don't know if I can get another job. This job pays really well. You know, Hey, like I got other concerns. I got to take care of my family. I got blah, 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 blah. And look, I get it. You know, there's a whole system that's set up to kind of keep you bound to your philosophical belief. It's, it's like tying you to it. You're like tethered to it. So is it hard to break away from a program that you've been learning since you were a child and you could actually argue that was an indoctrination and a brainwashing into an idea that this is how life works and this is what you are destined to live? Yeah, it's fucking hard. Yeah, it's really fucking hard. Just like it's hard to break away from parents that were really shitty to you and taught you that you didn't matter. It's really hard to break away from that. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't try. It doesn't mean that Um, you should just accept it. But I mean, look, if you want to give up and you want to just accept it and and you're just going to go like, this is my lot in life. And I'm glad to make an exchange of hate 40 hours of my week so I can enjoy these other parts of my life, then fine. But do it, do it honorably. Don't, don't complain about it. Don't suffer about it. Don't be a victim about it. But if you're here listening to this conversation and you, and this something is resonating with you, like I'm, I'm calling from you soul to soul, from spirit to spirit, from person to person, from child to child. Change your fucking philosophy if it does not work for you. Your life is ending. It is ending. And you do not know the day it will end. You think you do. You think there's a promise that you will grow old. I can tell you right now, you might not. Today, 
Not tomorrow, today, sit down, get real, have a heart to heart with yourself, go for a walk, do whatever the fuck you have to do to change if this is not working. Your life is ending. I know this is really hard to accept when you're in the inertia of comfort and you just want to sit back and watch TV and play video games, have a drink and have a smoke and all that bullshit. You are literally wasting away every single moment you give into this. And I scream from the hilltops this because when you've gone through a depression, which I have, and you faced, why am I even alive? And you, and, and also compounded with the fact that I lost my friend at 21 who just died tragically in a car accident. It has taught me that this is not something to take for granted. Just live your life right now the way you want to live and figure out how to do it. And I know it's hard. I know it's not easy. And it's going to take some fucking work. It's going to take some heart to heart. But you're worth it. And I'm telling you that. I don't care if your parents or your teachers or whoever is not telling you. I'm telling you. And you might think, oh, no, they're talking to someone else on this podcast. They're not talking to me. I am talking to you. I am. Because if you hear me right now, it is you that I'm talking to. I'm not talking to anyone other than the person that is hearing me. And if you want to deflect and you want to say I'm talking to someone else, that's on you. Because I am talking to you. And we are talking to you. And, you know, this is called way of the artist for a reason. Find your way, you know. And your way, I mean, Evan, like we talk about all these things. But at the end of the day, I really do think a big part of this is your philosophy and my philosophy and, and what people's philosophy is. And we don't say, like, this is the way you do it. But, but find your way. Don't just take the way that you were given and, and decide that you have to walk down a path for the rest of your life because so-and-so told you, you know? Um, and, you know, I don't care what age you are, man. I have a 60-year-old client right now who just, like, booked a lead role in a movie. You know what I mean? And, and their whole life they were talked down to. And they said, you know, like, like, like I, I was a victim my whole life. And then I just, you know, I just decided to take charge of it. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter. Like you're here now and this is your life, you know? And I think like, this is the nuance, right? This, the nuance is in you. We don't know what, what your gray area is. We don't know what your color is, but if you're not happy with your life, then I can probably, I would probably be willing to bet that you took a, a, a life without nuance because nuance is exciting. Nuance is fun. Nuance is fulfilling. Nuance is personal and dynamic and interesting and it's you and no one else has the nuance that is you. So it's in your best interest to find it. You know, I, I know like today I'm screaming from the hilltops with these, with these little speeches, but like, man, there is a part of me. I have to say this. There is a part of me that, that wants to reach out into anybody who's hurting out there, anybody who feels lost, anybody who just feels like they're missing purpose. And I so desperately want to just help you just find a step in the right direction. Not just because I'm like some great guy who's trying to do good in the world, because I see me and you. And I know what it was like when I was totally lost. And, and, and it taught me how important that is. So that's why I say this, you know? And that's, 
that's what I have to say for now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's do a let's let's talk some beer for a moment here. Sure, man. Uh, I'm drinking a Red Racer. Oh, nice. uh, this is one I haven't seen from them for. I think this must be a brand new thing from them. This is called their uh, their One Speed. Their One Speed IPA. They also had like a One Speed Lager or something like that. And uh, it's like uh, it's like a light beer. So it's one of those like 90 calories, 3 grab, grams of carbs uh, type of thing. But it's really tasty. Nice. It's really tasty. It's been enjoyable. And uh, like not super strong. Like you would almost... You would almost potentially like miss the fact that it was an IPA because it's so light and uh, and easy drinking, but uh, it's good. It's good. Got no complaints here. Nice. I like those one speed bikes. I like how they also play on uh, play on the bicycle thing. That's fun. Mm-hmm. I'm drinking another from the Grizzly Paw Brewing Company, which is in uh, Canmore, Alberta. And this is called Three Sisters Pale Ale. <laughs> uh, it's it's good, man. It's uh, it's like rich and almost um, I don't know. It just it it it's tasty and it's relatively smooth. It has like a, a it has a bit of a hop to it. Um, very flavorful, uh, almost like a honey quality to it, you know. But I'm enjoying it. It's been a good beer, and it's gone down real easy. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm doing. Uh, all right. Nice. Well, Hey, look, <laughs> some final thoughts, my man. Um, you want me to go first or how are you feeling? Oh, I mean, I can, uh, who went, you know, I'll go first. Cause I think, uh, I think in the last one you went first. So I'll go first. I'll go first. And where to begin. That's always the question. That's always the question sometimes with these wrap-ups here. Where do you begin? Always uh, sometimes, you said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Usually you just start saying things and, and eventually the words just seem to seem to catch up. Yeah, totally. So this has been a really interesting conversation. You know, I appreciate that it went into realms of philosophy and things like that. I think that it's it's really comes down to me for this this thing of like like you don't know and you don't ever really know <laughs> you know <laughs> like it's it's there's never some final word on things and and you know life is complex and you know in art you know as we discussed at the beginning brings in these complexities to it quite intentionally because we understand that in order for it to be effective, that it has to embrace these, these nuances. Um, and you know, but interesting, there's, you know, that, that quote about, I'm trying to remember who said this one. Um, oh, I feel like it was that writer that kind of, um, Oh, (laughs) anyhow, I can't think of it, but it was something like, an intellectual makes a simple 
makes a simple thing complex and an artist makes a complex thing simple. Yeah, I know that one. Wasn't yeah. that Einstein? No, I don't think so. I I feel I feel like this guy's name is is like right on the tip of my tongue and and it's just not it's just not coming. But anyhow, uh you know, I think that in terms of what that has to say about art, like it's still saying like you have to immerse yourself in in the complex thing, right? And through that, you might actually be able to say something about it. You know what I mean? But there's always, there's never some final word on things. Like it's, it's, things are always changing and evolving and growing. And, and it's important that we, that I think that we approach things in this, in this kind of way. You know, it doesn't mean that you don't get to have opinions about certain things. It just means that you get to have more complex opinions about certain things and you're open to having your mind changed about things. And, and that's a terrific thing. That's a beautiful thing. You know, so I think getting outside of our attachments to our ideas about how we think things are is an important thing for us to examine. And, you know, one thing that I have noticed watching a lot of, you know, very intelligent people uh, have meaningful, engaging conversations with, with other people who maybe disagree with them on certain things, you know, like just on, on an almost a very practical down to earth level. One of the things I've noticed is that whenever they're speaking, they're whatever their perspective is on whatever issue it is, they say things like, it seems to me that this, Mm. it appears to me that this, and I find that such a beautiful, it's such a beautiful way to engage with it because it, through the, the, those words, you're creating an open space, you know, you're creating an open space, not only for you to communicate what you know and understand. That's another way to say it. It's like, well, it's to my understanding that this, mm. right? So it leaves the room for you to actually fully express whatever your perspective is, but it also leaves room for something else to to come in, right? It's, it's not saying like, this is the way things are, mm. right? It's It seems to me. It appears to me, you know, and I think that that in a very kind of simple, practical way opens up conversations, it opens up possibilities and, and helps us move away from these sort of really rigid structures of thinking, which is always a good thing. So I guess I'm leaving it there. I'm leaving it on maybe just like a practical thing that I'm going to try and, and do more in my own life and and i hope maybe other people will will try the same see what happens see what happens Mm. i like that it it does leave room for nuance you know it appears to me or it seems to me it's this way it leaves a little bit of room for nuance that maybe you don't see and i think something i've kind of come to realize as we've gone through this conversation and even the preliminary talk that we had leading up to this is that 
the gray area is not just gray. I mean, it's like all the colors of everything. And it's just like these colors that you maybe don't see, you're not really picking up on them more. Um, you know, as an artist myself, I can say that, you know, there's times where you're, you're, you're trying to create something and you, you can't quite get it to read the way that you want it. You know, it's like not quite coming off, but in your mind, you have this kind of idea or this vision or something, or, you know, you're trying to do something, but then when it actually kind of comes out on the page or maybe in the performance or whatever, it's not quite translated. And, you know, I think for an artist's perspective, it's the humbleness of knowing that there's a part of it that you can kind of see, but then there's another part of the humbleness of like, can you actually do what you see? And, you know, you can, you can want something, you can, you can envision something, but, but can you actually practically do it and make it reality? And like, in my mind, I mean, like, you know, there's this part of me that's like, I just want everybody to get along and be friends and love each other and like work together. But in reality, we don't all work like that. We don't all work together. And there's a rubber meets the road kind of part of the nuance of just how people work together. And we have so many different opinions and points of view and stuff like that. So I think like one of the things that I would walk away with this is just like being flexible with looking at it in terms of like your color palette is only so deep and every person you meet and everything you deep you look at or experience like try to make it try to make your color palette richer by trying to understand it by trying to investigate it and look into it and and see where it's coming from where they're coming from um you know this can work on very like like a lot of different levels you know like Maybe at some point in your life, you were the bad guy. Maybe you did something bad, you know, and the nuances in, in the forgiveness of yourself, in the, in the understanding of why you did it. And, you know, um, maybe you didn't really know what you were doing and you didn't know the effects of what you were doing. And so at the time it seemed okay, but now that you have perspective and you saw the damage it caused, you realize it's not okay. And that's part of growth. And to have a certain amount of like, yeah, like, you know what? I, I fucked up there. Um, you know, uh, I remember this one time, a friend of mine, he asked about a girl that I was dating and her and I had an incredibly like wonderful relationship, but I was not in a good place in my life. I was, I was working through some stuff and it was hard and, you know, I pushed her away and, um, you know, my friend asked me about it. He said, you know, what, what happened? And I said, I fucked that up. <laughs> he was like, oh, and I was like, I did. I fucked it up. I fucked it up. And I can take responsibility for that. It's on me. But I don't know if I could have done any better than I did. But I, I own the fact that I fucked it up. You know what I mean? And I think like if we look at life that way, if we look at the nuance of how like you're not perfect, nobody's perfect, everybody's doing their best, we can all kind of find a a more of a common ground with each other, you know, and sometimes maybe people's intention is not good, but like, sometimes people are just fucking it up and like, try to look for the room of just kind of going like trying to understand that maybe people 
they're doing their best, but maybe they're not doing the right thing. And maybe they don't intend to do the bad thing. Maybe they're just doing the bad thing because it's the best they can do. And maybe you're doing the bad thing because it's the best you can do. And so I think if we find these nuances with each other, not only will our art be better, but I, I truly think we'll all be better together and better for ourselves. Thank you for listening in on our conversation today. We hope you found something helpful that you can carry forward with you. Head over to our website, wayoftheartist.com, for more free exclusive material and learn about the show. If you haven't already, please support us by subscribing to the show, sharing it with people you know, and keeping compassionate, creative conversation going.